Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. everybody back to the rdl show the ryan d lee show got to thank our boy sky guasco for filling in on friday solo getting it done he's going to join me a little bit later a lot to talk about um big weekend of sports things that are carrying over from our last episode and some things that are new the second round of the playoffs are now solidified and are have even been sent in motion so uh, we got we got a good show for you. Thanks for joining us on uh, middle of middle of day, middle of summer, uh, talking sports. We'll get you through it. Um, my open today is around you know like we do a lot is around the mental health part of things, right? Uh, you know things in life go up and down. Uh, you try to stay as neutral as possible, and that's difficult to do with interactions with people and and how you go about your day to day. For me, it uh, it continues to be a struggle. Uh, the The state is starting to open it up more, which uh, which I think is great. It allows for more opportunities and activities to be around people. Um, but there's this overwhelming dread that exists still uh, when you've been through something like this over the last year, right? What does that look like? Um, you know, how do you reengage? And we're seeing a lot of consequences to that from instances i think the fan uh, interaction at games has, has been impacted greatly by uh, the isolation piece of, of the pandemic uh, i got an opportunity to get out and, and, and get to work a couple weeks ago which i thought was really helpful but then you just it's like anything you do right you, you get busy you stay active uh you're working a ton and then it stops and there's a gradual decline right of you know your anxiety around, are you doing enough? Are you being a good enough father in my instant instance? Are you being enough uh, for anybody else? And so those types of things exist, right? And when you wake up in the morning, it's, you know, it's real. And the idea of, do I get out of bed or do I just lay around? And some, there's, there's two, there's two scenarios around that. And, and I, and the reason I say that to everybody is because I, I don't want anybody ever to do something that's based in self-care uh, and see it as a negative. Like if you felt like you needed to stay in bed today and uh, take care of your mental health, 
and um, go about your business in that way, that's okay. Now, if it becomes a pattern, like if it's, you know, you're just not getting out of bed every single day and there's things that need to, to be addressed, then that's a different story, right? And I think one of those days today was was for me. I, I didn't necessarily feel like I needed to get out of bed. Uh, so I took a little extra time, but I had a workout set. Uh, and it's, it's really sometimes as simple as just taking that next right action, whatever that looks like uh, in the moment. I work with a ton of people all the time around how am I going to stay sober today? Um, how am I going to you know get through the day when they're having some sort of mental health crisis? And I said, sometimes in a, a majority of the time, you have to break it down to, to minute by minute. You take it through those 30 seconds, right? You get to 30 seconds, you add another 30 seconds and one minute is up and you keep doing that and you get find ways to get through it. For me, it's really become about walking, right? If there's any anxiety uh, around anything with me right now, I get out, I put the headphones in, I put some music on and I start, hearts, uh, I start hot stepping it, right? Just, just moving. And you know, before you know it, you've walked for 50, you know, 60, 70, 80 or 90, you know, 90, hour, hour and a half, uh, and it's lighter. You know, you've been able to kind of get outside yourself, not think about too much about what's ahead, what you have to do, what you have to go through, but more about just taking the next next right step in front of you. And that may be as cliche as it is, but this may be the most literal version of it for me and what I'm doing. So... Again, this show has offered me a wonderful platform to talk about. I don't know if I would have. You know, I have a I have a scheduled appointment with my therapist tomorrow, and I suppose I would have indulged in in kind of what I've been going through the last you know week and a half or so. But I mean, it 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 the comfort of my own studio here in front of an audience that simply uh, loves us for this show, right? They just they love joining in. We have a small group of people who enjoy watching our show, who are intimately involved. This is the 39th episode. I saw that today on our pre-show rundown, and I could not believe that it was our 39th show. We started this back in March, March 1st to be exact. And um, it really is about building from the ground up and what it's been. And I know there are some that tune in only for the sports takes. Uh, I know there are some that tune in simply because of a lot of these opens that we do revolve around my life and what that means. And, you know, not for any moment am I ashamed of what I'm going through. I think we see it firmly in front of us with the, with, with the world of tennis uh, and, uh, um, you know, with what Osaka is, is really going through because there is a uh, um, chance that she misses out on a ton more. She withdrew from the Berlin tournament here recently. And we're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. But again, anybody out there who is struggling and uh, thinks what they're doing is shameful, like, hey, I need to stay in bed today. I just do. Today I need a, a me day. I need a, a self-care day. I need to stay in bed. I need to think about my well-being. I don't ever want you to look at that and have guilt around it or have shame around it because of that's what you feel like you need. Uh, as long as you're talking about it. You know, self-care is a huge part of all of this. It doesn't just have to be the next, you know, like healthy trend, right? The food, uh, working out, things like that. Today was one of those days, right? Normally I'm up at 5.30 and I stayed in bed till like 7.30 today, you know? So that means I did get my early morning walk out there. 
but what it did do is allowed me just to kind of get recentered. Uh, I knew I had a, a training session at 10 o'clock. Uh, I got out there and I got it done and it was extremely hard. She pushed me uh, extremely hard today. Um, I sweat. I wasn't thinking about anything for the hour, right? The drive home is always invigorating, right? The endorphin release from working out is huge. And by the time I got home, I felt more comfortable about uh, doing the show, what our topics were going to be, what I was going to talk about, um, how I was going to address some of the things that I'm going through right now. That's, you know, that's just, it's forward movement. It's forward movement. That's all I can say. It's not backwards in any shape or form um, of what I'm doing. And at 45, and as a father, you gotta, you gotta move forward. You, you can't regress. Um, and you got to view the things that are about self-care as forward motion and not regression. So um, anybody out there that's going through that, reach out, follow us on the RDL show on Twitter and Instagram at the RDL show and subscribe to the RDL show on YouTube. Listen via podcast. If you can't check us out during the day on video on the believe podcast network. All right. I'm going to welcome in my uh, partner in crime here, Sky Guasco, Jonathan Rifkin. We'll be back on what Wednesday sky as yeah, so I think is when, he, when we're talking about um Charlie Charlie got all, so Charlie got on all grown up on us and got us got himself a job this summer so uh we'll see I, I think he's a uh, uh I think he's working for the Bluth banana stand down in Newport Beach this summer so anybody who's old enough to get that uh um get that TV show reference God bless you. all right <laughs> Sky, great job on Friday, taking it on all on yourself. Wow. Thanks. Question of the day. Question Fun. of the day. You know, this this news broke, I think, over the weekend. Uh, does Julio Jones make the Tennessee Titans a true, now emphasize, true AFC contender? Because the truest AFC contender is the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. But are the um, Tennessee Titans now in that ballgame? Well, I think I believe it's an upgrade from Corey Davis, though their size oh, yeah. and strength are very similar um, in what they do in those offense. I do believe it's an upgrade, but I also think that you're getting, you know, and and I think it was referenced in the compensation. The compensation wasn't wasn't incredibly overwhelming. You get post draft, you know, you get post draft first round draft picks become very special. People hold them pretty tight to the vest and so no one was no one was sending that off for a you know kind of maybe on the sunset tour of a wide receivers um, contract tennessee gets him a trade to the falcons they, they for the second and fourth round picks um and he joins that squad with ryan Tannehill. ironically enough in the system or in a system similar to what he would have played at in atlanta with arthur smith who's leaving there after 10 years, I, you know, we'll get to your questions at the end of the show. Of course, that is the question of the day. I feel like for me, it tends to make a bigger splash because it's Julio Jones and it's a wide receiver. But as always, I don't know if this makes a huge difference in terms of where they were going to be in the AFC. They're still going to have to battle like crazy to win the division against the Indianapolis Colts, who I think have put together a roster that's ready to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs for an AFC championship. Um, so I don't know if it's something that takes them over the top, 
Um, I don't know if it necessarily moves the needle. I think it just, you know, adds another piece. The bigger question is, is he going to be healthy when the playoffs come around? He hasn't had to worry about the playoffs for, I don't know, three seasons since the disappointing uh, Super Bowl run against the Patriots uh, where he had to play into the playoffs because he's been banged up and he hasn't really been motivated to get back and get ready for the final parts of the season because they weren't going anywhere. This now is a, a situation where you're going to need him week in, week out to be the guy Corey Davis was. I mean, Corey Davis, if if you're lost for what he contributed over time, you know, it was he was there. He was on the football field the last couple of years. It's a reason why uh, in free agency he was coveted by the New York Jets. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I, I know that I know your takes on. Uh you know, wide receivers, um, and certainly Julio over 30 years old. Um, will he have as much of an impact? I think he's absolutely an upgrade over Corey Davis. Corey Davis, I just don't think was an ideal fit there. Obviously, A.J. Brown, uh, who is one of the best young wide receivers in the game now, um, heavily recruited Julio Jones on social media. It was actually kind of hilarious to follow. Uh, but, you know, he fished his wish, and, and they got it here. I think the biggest thing is it opens up the entire playbook. This helps. A.J. Brown, obviously, this helps Derrick Henry, and it obviously helps Ryan Tannehill to have Julio Jones because, A, Julio was banged up last year. He only played parts of seven games, but in those seven games, he was on pace to have arguably his best season maybe ever with yards per reception, yards per target, and touchdown um, pace as well as yards per game. So, obviously, he broke down, he got injured, and he was kind of in and out, and that's obviously frustrating, but... Julio is not uh, one of these – he's not A.J. Green. I think A.J. Green is at the end of his line and kind of maybe will float on a roster for another year or two to contribute. Julio Jones, in my opinion, is a legitimate wide receiver still, still one of the best athletes at the position, and when healthy, gives them two of the best wide receivers in a tandem in the NFL. Um, and I do think it helps the Titans. The question of the day, which we can get to further on here, is – for me, the Titans are already a contender, right? So we we put through true contender in there to play with the Chiefs, to play with the Bills. I'll put the Bills up there to play with whoever comes out of the AFC North, the Bengal, or excuse me, the Browns, the Ravens, maybe even the Steelers have one more run. But the issue is not uh, offense with the Titans. They've been extremely efficient and proficient for years under Arthur Smith, running the ball, play action. Tannehill's played very well since coming over and taking over from Mariota. It's stopping Mahomes. That's everybody's issue in the AFC. And their defense, albeit more healthy and, and maybe a little bit better, Julio Jones doesn't help them stop Patrick Mahomes. And they're just not the type of team to, to get in a shootout. Um, so unless Derrick Henry can drain clock and run for 200 yards and keep Mahomes off the field, which they've kind of done the last couple of years with uh, Lamar Jackson and uh, Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, that's the only way they're going to actually get by the Chiefs if everybody's healthy. But this is absolutely an upgrade, and I love the move, and it was kind of inevitable that Julio was going to Tennessee once A.J. Brown got on the horn. Yeah, I think that uh, they may have they may have solidified themselves as the best uh, skill positions uh, unit in the NFL right now with absolutely. Derrick Henry at the running back position, uh, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones at the wide receiver position. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill has been been at the top of his game since moving over from Miami under Arthur Smith. Now, 
we'll see what it looks like with the new offensive coordinator because yeah. under Arthur Smith, they were pretty darn good. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out how that looks when the season starts. They're playing in a division where they can control pretty well. The Colts are the only team that's really going to give them much um, competition. You know, Jacksonville and Houston are two teams that people are looking at as is not a place that uh, uh, is going to going to put up a bunch of a bunch of uh, uh, competition. I don't think so. That that bodes well for them. I'd like to uh, throw out a couple more stats here, and, and Ryan, just kind of ask you this question while I read out these numbers and just get your opinion on put put a, a defensive coordinator hat on really quick and think about how you would go about trying to stop the Titans. Derrick Henry's a truck. The receivers are great. Tannehill's played very well. Obviously, they're very efficient, run the ball, play action, whatever. Um, think about that for a second. And uh, Teron Davenport, who's a reporter for uh, the Tennessee Titans, came out with this. I thought it was really interesting. I want to read it off quick. How do you stop the Tennessee Titans? A six-man box, so five defenders on the outside. Derrick Henry averages 5.3 yards per rush over the last two years. In seven-man boxes, so crowding even more to stop Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown has a league-high 4.3 receiving yards per route run in the seven-man box. And eight, so if they completely clog, which we've seen against Adrian Peterson in his prime for years, Julio Jones has 634 receiving yards against an eight-man box or 163 more receiving yards than anybody else in the NFL over the last five yard, uh, five years. So either, no matter what you're bringing, they seem to uh, be able to get past it. So if you're the defensive coordinator going against the uh, Tennessee Titans, what is your strategy? It's going to be difficult, right? I mean, they put put defensive coordinators on notice. They've really put them in a position to uh, have to be really good at the cornerback position. That's, you know, for me, it's it's going to continue to load the box to try to stop Derrick Henry um, and turn the team into a one, uh, you know, uh, one-dimensional type of team, and that's throwing the football. If you turn a team into that, uh, you have a tendency to make make bigger plays. If you're able to establish running games, uh, establish the run, eat up clock, and still score, um, that's how you win in the NFL. It really, really is. It continues to be. It will always be. It's a staple. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really good at the cornerback position. Guys that can get out there with with and, and run with the likes of AJ Brown and um, and now Julio Jones, right? You put out a, a stat that's that's scrolling below here. The Titans have the second most vacated targets in the NFL. 185 of those departing from the team in 2021. So it wasn't just a wide receiver position. They did a lot at the tight end position. They lost out on some great players. Um, you know, we'll see if Julio Jones is enough. But defensive coordinators are going to have some sleepless nights when they're preparing for the Tennessee Titans week in, week out because of the weapons, the skill position weapons they have now in place. And it's amazing to see that one player can shift that. But when it's somebody like Julio Jones, who, you know, I want to say is on the, you know, on the back nine of a, of a unbelievable career, you know, is it, is it Toby Keith song time where, Hey, I'm as good <laughs> once as I've ever been, but you know, I, I, I think so. I think the guy can be great I do still too. when they need him to be. A.J. Brown can be the new version of him mm-hmm. as a younger version, do all the dirty work. Uh, but but Julio Jones maybe gets you five, six catches a game where one of them's a huge uh, kind of game-changing play. I yeah. think that they're going to target him a lot, but um, there was a, we'll there was, see. There was a reference recently that I thought was pretty accurate, and it was Julio Jones is now Roddy White who he came into Julio Jones is now Roddy white in Tennessee. AJ Brown is now Julio Jones 
back in the original Atlanta Falcons days when Roddy White was, you know, at the top of his game, but Julio came in behind him. And now Julio's kind of transitioned into the Roddy White, maybe a possession guy, big body, obviously a red zone threat, can move the chains and still burn. He's still got wheels. But A.J. Brown really is going to be, I think, the difference maker, not getting double and triple teamed because you have to account for Julio Jones. And you can't do that when you got Derrick Henry running the ball. You can't double or triple <laughs> exactly. team somebody. It's just it's not possible anymore. you got to have enough guys in the box to stop the freaking wrecking ball that is Derrick Henry. So Yep, it'll be fun. Right. Yeah, well, the reason why he's so big is because he eats Sunfair. I don't know if you Absolutely. know this or not, people, but 100%. Sunfair.com is a game changer. And Mr. Uh, Derrick Henry, if he lived in L.A. and Phoenix, I'm sure, would be using Sunfair. Go to Sunfair.com uh, and get your own personalized, delivered, healthy meals. Go through the sign-up process on Sunfair.com. Once you get the Enter Your Information page, you need to select Carl Farrell. That's my boy, Carl as the sales representative, all right, and then select the Ryan D. Leaf Show. Um, that's where you heard of it, all right? If you live in the L.A. or Phoenix area, you can have these wonderful, tasty um, meals delivered to your door every morning. Today's breakfast, and boy, it tasted so good after that workout today. Today's breakfast was a banana-based French toast. Oh, so good, about five slices of it. It's fun to be able to eat healthy and tasty things and uh and it'd be healthy for you i think today's lunch is um i don't know what today's lunch is i have to look in there again but the snack is uh some chocolate pudding too so it's it's a good day it's, a, it's just a good day all around for the sunfair tip it's absolutely changed my life uh, my health uh, everything went to the doctor the other day we did our lab work after almost a year on this diet and he told me my lab work uh, results should be in a museum. They've changed so much uh, and it put me in a healthy realm. I am a dad of a three and a half year old. And the more and more I spend time with him and see him grow, I want to be around as long as I can. And that's that's why I do it. Sunfair.com. It's all about the food. Go get it. Next chance you get. All right. The NBA playoffs. All right. That. Uh, was the big topic of conversation for you on Friday as round one was starting to, to wind down. Games over the weekend made those deciding factors. The Knicks, of course, was the hoopla, finishing fourth in the East. They were going to give a great uh, um, competitive round to to the Atlanta Hawks. No. Why? Because of Trey Young. <laughs> you know? Simple. Dude was and is turning into a star. What are these playoffs going to do for the NBA as the next generation of talent moves forward you and i talked about it pre-show there's going to be an nba champion for the first time on one of these teams since 1983 i think 1983 was who 1983 was the 76ers okay the 76ers the last team to win a title who's left in the playoff system right now 83 there's only three teams that have won titles yep. the other five never won a championship so you could have a first time winner this year or you could have a team that I think 1983, 1968, 1957, I think, are the years, if I recall correctly. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But it's been a, let's just put it this way. It's been a, a fucking long time since any of these teams have, have won a championship. Only yeah. one of them, have won, only one of these teams has won a championship in my, in my, in my time on this earth. All right. So that's, that's pretty uh, impressive. Uh, round one for me. You know, I didn't have a lot of confidence that the Lakers were going to find a way to get it done. Anthony Davis going down was such a huge, hugely impactful to that team. 
LeBron just can't do it on his own. He's not young enough anymore. There were years in Cleveland where he was young enough and strong enough to carry a team when guys went down. Um, when Kyrie went down, he could get he could just will teams to to where he needed to. It's just it's not the case anymore. All right, and that's okay. That's okay. Michael Jordan doesn't win those championships in Chicago the last three years without Scottie Pippen, without Dennis Rodman. You need mm-hmm. you need players, and uh, um, and they just couldn't get it done this season and so um they go out in round one um the utah jazz after stumbling in the first game against memphis figured it out got that done the clippers which no you know after an zero and two start found a way to, to to win the first home game in the series to close it out yesterday uh Kawhi leonard really the the story the last two games luka Doncic once again really special but He's i amazing. don't know if uh, Porzingis is the is the bat is the Robin to his Batman down there in Dallas, Mark Cuban may really have to take a hard look this offseason about adding some different tools. Um, you know, maybe, same with Damian Lillard. Look. Yeah, yeah. Portland really, I mean, they were special, right? They were really special. They just didn't have enough weapons to deal with the Denver team, even though shorthanded, still got it done. You know, it's just it's uh, it's an interesting uh, Final Four in the West. Uh, in the East, the Nets lose James Harden, which I think is is a big story. Yeah. But they still have – I mean, all losing James Harden does is give more shots to Kevin Durant, which yeah. he's probably the most dominant player in the NBA right now. So uh, they're loaded. That, that matchup's going to be good. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks played them tough. But, I mean, I just don't know if anybody's going to get by the Nets now. What the real story has been has been the Atlanta Hawks, right? What they did to the New York Knicks. They made them look average, didn't make, made them look like they didn't belong, really, you know, shut down the garden. And then in game one against a fully loaded Philadelphia 76ers team and Joel Embiid back, uh, they dominated that game. They only, won, they only won by four, but I mean, they were up at one point by almost 30 almost. points. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So your thoughts on, on how round two has started? Um, Clip Show takes on the Utah Jazz, who are the number one seed in all of this. And the Suns take on the Denver Nuggets starting tonight. Yeah, tonight we have uh, Denver Nuggets, Phoenix Suns uh, tipping off their series. Milwaukee and Brooklyn go for game two. Brooklyn has the edge in that one. They got game one. And and frankly, even without James Harden, uh, I mean, this could be a series. It could be a six, seven-game series at this point without Harden. But if Katie and Kyrie – and Blake Griffin and the rest of the squad is healthy. I just don't think Giannis can can get past them. Um, and then tomorrow we have Utah and uh, the Clippers tipping off, and then we have Philadelphia and Atlanta. And yeah, man, Atlanta is awesome. Um, oh, it's just hey, good. One interesting point here that you'll. So I was a little interested. My brother's back in town. Uh, game seven. It's going to be midday yesterday on Sunday. So I was like, you know what? Let me uh, let me just jump on uh, on a couple sites here and see if I could grab. A couple courtside seats for oh nice for the Clipper game. You know, me and my brother could go. He loves NBA basketball. I have not been to an NBA game, and I don't know how long. Um, Let's go. Might be might be a little fun. Well, I found I, you know, I found a couple courtside seats. I found a couple courtside seats, and I'm like, all right, they can't be too expensive. Now, everything is in perspective with me, right? I mean, it's like back in the day, uh, if my buddies wanted to go to a Laker game. And I was playing for the San Diego Chargers. I would, you know, I'd call my buddy 
who got some tickets and I'd say, Hey, can I get two courtside tickets? Uh, you know, I'm going to land on the, we'd take a helicopter from, from San Diego up. We're going to land somewhere near the Staples center. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what building we'd land on, but we'd li- land on a building on their helipad. And awesome. I think, uh, I think the ticket would be courtside seat at Lakers game would be 10 grand. So two, two tickets would be 20 grand. Now, Everybody's watching the show right now is going, what in the living fuck would you spend $20,000 plus a <laughs> helicopter ride to a bet to go to a, just go to a game. And I'm like, it's all relative, right? When you're making $5 million a year, yeah. 20 grand in that moment, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the same if you're making 50,000 a year. And if somebody says this costs you $2,000, you know, that's, that's essentially kind of what it, I, it, it might break down to, or the way I viewed it. It's probably a reason why I went broke. Um, by the time I was uh, 30 years old as well. So, but, so I looked, I looked on and I found, I found two, two seats. They were $7,600 a ticket for courtside seats for Clippers uh, Mavs yesterday. So I, I, I gracefully, you know, declined to go to it. And I mm-hmm. flipped it on my TV for $0 and texted my brother during the game and just said, Oh, this is great. You know, this is what a wonderful back and forth. Well, yeah. So it was what? much cheaper, but yes, it just it brought back some memories. I thought I would throw that in there. Let everybody what know. what right now, Ryan, of, of the series left, and and obviously you just you live in the LA area. I mean, you're not going to go to a uh, Atlanta game or something like that right now. But if you could go to any of these games courtside, um, which one would you want to go to? Any of these series, which one do you want to go to? Um, and what's like a, a a ticket price, a fair ticket price for you to to spend to get in to a game potentially with with what this what this playoffs has to go, and and I am going to expand on what you had mentioned earlier on the teams and when they've won or not even been to a championship. I'll get into that in just a second, but just curious, like which one of these series left of the final four here and elite eight, if you want to call it that, teams uh, has uh, the most of your attention. You know, I probably, um, probably the Sixers Hawks because of the way the, the Hawks came out. First, I think this can maybe be one of the more competitive ones. The loss of Harden, maybe the Nets. I'm not incredibly that interested in the West. I want to see the, the conference finals, and I want it to be the Suns and Clippers. That's what mm-hmm. I want the Western Conference finals to be. I think that would be huge. Both teams never having, having won a, a championship there uh, in Los Angeles and Phoenix, I think it would make for a wonderful Western Conference finals. Uh, the states literally an hour between each other. The travel would be limited. I think we would get the most competition between those two teams in the east i don't know if anybody can hang with the nets maybe maybe the 76ers because of their size but if the hawks are able to get past them and do something special i don't think they match up at all with with the nets and i think yeah. it's a disappointing eastern conference final so right now if i'm looking at the you know the semifinals in the uh, Western Conference and the uh, in the Eastern Conference, I'm I'm kind of you know taking a real peek at the Eastern to see what Atlanta and the 76ers do. Nice. I'm gonna expand on this a little bit longer, and then I want to talk about Trey Young just for a second here. So I want to give a shout out to Steve Tannen, who is a, uh, a local broadcaster, actually here in Eugene, um, local radio station host, works with the Oregon Ducks and things. But he's from the East Coast originally, grew up a Knicks fan, a Yankees fan. He's worked East Coast ball forever and moved out west in the 90s. Um, great follow though on Twitter, uh, Steve Tannen. Anyway, he came up with a, with a tweet after the game here when the playoffs got wrapped up and basically here are the eight teams 
and where they sit in last time they played an NBA championship, won an NBA championship, or if they've even been there. So the 76ers, as Ryan mentioned, were the last one to win it in 1983. The Bucks were before that in 1971. It's their only title as a franchise. The Hawks' last championship was in 1958. And they weren't even in Atlanta at that point. The other five teams, the Clippers and the Nuggets, have never been to a league finals. The Jazz, Nets, and Suns have only been to a finals twice. So the ratings for this aren't going to explode because you don't have the Warriors, you don't have the the, the Lakers primarily, um, and some of these other annual teams. But I think this is great for the game of NBA. And I can't wait to talk to Jonathan about this, who's maybe a little bit more in depth with basketball than I am overall. But I think this is great for the game because you get fresh teams in there, fresh fan bases, fresh players, new superstars like Trey Young to come in, Luka, and you get these fresh – I mean, John Morant, when the, the uh, Grizzlies have been out for a while, but John Morant played phenomenal with his two games in the play-in tournament as well. So you're getting these younger players. Derrick Rose had a resurgence, and everybody's been rooting for him for five years with the Knicks. Um, it, it's a fun – it's a fun uh, playoffs for me. And you don't have LeBron. You don't have Curry. I mentioned it on Friday. This is the first – NBA Finals, when we get there, it'll be the first one since 2010 without either LeBron or Steph Curry. So first of all, it's phenomenal that those two guys have controlled the decade. Able to do that, yeah. But it's even more interesting that like it's wide open. It's literally wide open this year uh, for everybody. So quick note on, on um, Trey Young here and what he's been able to do. The Hawks are the fifth seed. They're the lowest seed left in the playoffs. Got that first win over Philadelphia. According to StatMuse, no player for the Hawks has had 35 points and 10 assists in a playoff game since 1965. And that's what Trey Young was able to do against Philadelphia, the number one seed in the East. So kids playing out of his mind. He's got a little swag um, that in between confidence and cockiness, you know what he was doing in the garden, but uh, he's put the target on his own back and he is riding with it. And, and you love to see that in sports. You do. Unfortunately. And I think when we get to the NBA finals, what's going to be talked about is as always is in media and is ratings. And when you yep. don't have somebody like Curry or LeBron in the NBA championship ratings are going to be down and that's going to make people, you know, either super happy because uh, they can, you know, move forward their agenda or it's just going to be, Hey, these are new teams. They're going to take some time to get used to, but they're not any less exciting than the likes of LeBron James and Steph Curry playing. They are special young players. And this is what always happens, right? We were blessed in my age group to go really from Magic and Larry into Michael Jordan. Like it wasn't, you weren't, you had to learn who Michael Jordan was. And then, and, it, and Isaiah almost stemmed the tide there for, for the Detroit Pistons there for a little bit. So, I mean, you had that. It always evolves. Like Kobe became Kobe from Michael Jordan, right? So there's going right. to be, maybe not in the next LeBron or the best, next best Steph Curry, there's going to be somebody that is going to be able to carry this league yeah. moving forward. And we're starting to see that right now. And if you were any Hawks fans out there celebrating, hopefully you were celebrating last night with a little athletic brew, all right? Non-alcoholic beer. Uh, I sell it because I use it. 
Sky used it, brew without compromise, right? It's an opportunity to drink good tasting, uh, non-compromising, uh, alcoholic, uh, non-alcoholic beers, right? You got, you got IPA, you got Upside Dawn, which is the light beer that I like the best. Uh, it's, it's my go-to, all right? So if you're out there and you want that great taste, less filling nature of, of, of a good brew, but none of the consequences of the alcohol that comes with it, try it out. Try athleticbrew.com. Go there at the website here, uh, athleticbrewing.com or athleticbrewingco.sjv.io slash x9e3po. Get 10% off your first delivery of two six-packs of Athletic Brew. Try it now. I swear you'll enjoy it. All righty. Let's move on. We are just got done talking about the NBA in round two. Um, and we also talked about what the NFL is doing right now and trade that, you know, the trade that the big trade over the weekend, what that means to the AFC. Um, another, another big NFL thing. And I, I, I liken this is to a big NFL thing, even though it's an offensive lineman. And we remember the Juwan James, uh, incident in Denver, right? He was offsite training for the season, tore his Achilles tendon because it was offsite and in the collective bargaining agreement right now, if it's if a, if a football injury or if a training injury does not happen on site, it's not considered a football injury. Therefore, the team can there cut him and dispose of the, you know, his in his case, it was $10 million. It was significant. Yep. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens stepped up. Right. They signed him to a two year, nine million dollar pending physical, not including the injury that he's currently dealing with right now. So the Achilles will not be part of that physical. He should pass it with flying colors. Essentially, they gave him a five hundred thousand dollar workout. Bonus. Yes, I saw Stay that. here, work your tail off for us. Be ready to go a year from now and be a part of this team. And in next season, you'll make eight hundred thousand plus uh, or eight million, eight million plus um, as as a player for the, uh, for the Ravens. So I thought this was, was pretty, pretty great um, uh, for the, the Ravens to do. We knew it was a situation where it may be difficult. Um, and it, it, it opens up a ton of questions on how the NFLPA is going to battle in the conversation around that. So having said that, um, you talk about doing the right thing and having that conversation. Um, I want to, talk about something we talked about a, a week ago and that was the golf world now phil mickelson winning the pga championship is huge he's he's taken a couple victory laps uh with some of his social media platforms but one of the things that's one of the things that's lingered from that is the brooks kepka um you know bryson dechambeau i told i told um my friend those names and she is not familiar with with golf or anything like that. She's, but she immediately said, "Their names are Brooks and Bryson." It tells me right now. It, it just seems like some elite country club bullshit. And I said, "That's oh. exactly what it is." Now, you know, this is this is fueled by Brooks Kepka, uh, his continued mocking of who I think is a guy that is, you know, there may be some nuance to to Bryson DeChambeau. There definitely is. Uh, in terms of how he how he copes and how he how he deals with things, but it's been pressed and pushed by Brooks Kepka that his fan base uh, and, and they are followed a, a ton by the stoolies, right? The bar stool crowd is a huge Brooks Kepka fan. Um, 
were were you know trolling on the golf course at the memorial. Brooke, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, you know, saying out Brooksy, Brooksy, the whole. Th- now it's hey, it's a sporting event. I get it. You know, golf's a different different story, and this none of this would have happened. Well, you know, the marshals escorted these individuals out of the tournament, uh, saying it wasn't appropriate. And Brooks Kepka, you know, and his, you know, douchebaggery steps up to the plate once again and talks about um, those individuals that got booted out. I'm going to send beer your way. Now, it's all those people need is to be more liquored up. Yeah. And Brooks Kepka doesn't he doesn't understand it. He doesn't he doesn't see himself as a bully. Why is that the case? Bullies never see themselves as a bully. They always just do what they do because they can. And he's probably been doing this his whole life. And now in adulthood, he's exhibiting it even more because now he's got money, power, and prestige that come with it. I know all about that. And I all know all about being a bully when it comes to that's how you win. Uh, you, you show intimidation tactics. You act tough. And I talked about it the other day. He's probably one of the biggest wusses out there. And if he ever was confronted by anybody in real form, you know, he would probably get boot stomped. And this is just another example of that. Um, unfortunately, in our country, we people just get off on, you know, putting people down that they feel like should be able to take it. No one should be able to take it. There's no one that should be able to take it. That's not, that's not a reason for doing something. You don't put people down um, because you simply don't like them. You figure out a way to get by in a healthy, positive way. So this, for me, is becoming more about a Brooks Kepka problem than it is about a Bryson, Bryson DeChambeau problem. And the PGA Tour has stepped in. Brooks just doubled it down. That's all he did. He's just, he's just enabling people to be more out, uh, be more of an asshole when they're out on the course when he's playing. And no one should have to deal with that. And if Brooks continues to do this, you know, I'm going to be first in line, uh, you know, to tell him to knock this shit off because it's it's not helping the game and it's not helping the, the mental health of somebody else that is a peer of yours. Yeah. And we talked, <clears throat> we talked about this last week and I just, I can't put my head around why this is even happening. Like I understand the nature of bullying and, and you know, it's unfortunate with what it is, but this seems, all this stuff just seems so petty. There's not like an actual thing that happened in my opinion to start all this stuff. You know, and Kepka just keeps kind of just seems to, you know, he likes this, the sound of his own voice and he's, he's bringing a lot of, you know, he's bringing a lot of, um, I think negative energy to golf. And yep. I, th- you know, it, it's interesting because the Barstool, uh, crowd in general, of course, you can't say everybody that listens to Barstool or anything like that, but in general loves this kind of stuff. I mean, this is like what their brand is built on is controversy one way or another. Um, yeah. But I think if you take like the, the, those glasses off and you look at like what it does for the sport, what the sport of golf is traditionally, um, I think this is very negative energy for the entire sport and going to turn off a lot of traditional sports fan, uh, golf fans away from it, or at least him and his matches and what he's doing. Like, I think. I don't know if he's doing it intentionally to raise, you know, bring awareness to himself or if he's just flapping his mouth, but it just, it's, it's completely unnecessary. And um, I think it's just bad for the sport, frankly. And 
uh, it is clear entitlement and it's um, very, it's very, it's very unfortunate. Uh, Our buddy, Bill Powell has a comment here. Uh, Kepka is infectious and there's not room for it in any sport. Social media is bad enough. And now he's ringing it into the course. And uh, that's another thing. I mean, you, you bring social media has opened this Avenue. Unfortunately, Ryan, as you know, where people can just kind of, you know, keyboard warriors, right? I mean, you can talk smack and and degrade people, and there's no consequence because half the people don't even know what you look like or who you are. They'll never find you. It doesn't matter. Um, but he's now brought this in person. I mean, press conferences, like the DeChambeau's right next to him, and he, you know, he's still talking. And we mentioned DeChambeau's kind of trying to take a jab when he can and stand up for himself, but it seems that almost seems kind of half-assed because maybe that's not his – it's not. No, that's not five. him. He doesn't. He doesn't right. know how to. He's trying to play along exactly. in a in a playful manner, but it's not. It's affecting him, you know. And um, and that's that's the thing that that Brooks needs to have is some empathy around this. And it's I, I don't know. It just it's a very uncomfortable situation he's put the PGA Tour in and other touring professionals who want to you know do what's right for one another because this is a small small group. I, I get it, it, there's rivalries, but I tell you what, right now, Arnie and Jack never would do this with one another. Tiger and Phil, no matter how much animosity they had towards one another, never belittled one another because they knew that having each other around was going to make each other more and more money and make each other more popular moving forward. The funny thing is sports media and social media in particular has made these guys doing things like this more profitable for them because you guess what you don't have to win championships now both of these guys have brooks has won four and bryson just won his first last year with the u.s open so they're able to win championships but if they were not able to move forward and win championships they were they're still going to be able to make a ton of money in particular brooks kepka because of his assholeness right i mean we just watched a guy box uh, an all-time great last night. Well, I say we. I didn't. I didn't fucking spend a dime on this. I didn't pay either. attention to the moment of it either. Happened. It happened. Yeah. It happened. It happened last night. But a guy that's a YouTube star, who really, you know, I, I think he impressed some people with his ability to go eight rounds with a, un, you know, one of the most skilled boxers ever. Mm-hmm. But I, I also don't think anybody bought that last night as an actual boxing exhibition. You know, mm-hmm. it was just a, as I, I do believe I read somewhere uh, um, Mayweather saying it was a legalized bank robbery. Yeah. Why not? So we know this exists now. <laughs> this exists now. And Brooks Kepka is, you know, uh, the fan base he's got following him, you know, be careful who you follow guys. You know, it's, you know, when, when history looks back on things, I guarantee you it's going to shine a light on how Brooks Kepka has acted during this mm-hmm. and it's not going to be good for him. Yep. And there's a big, there's a big difference. And again, we talked about this last week too, but I want to really emphasize there's a big difference, but I'm thinking of sports rivals, like individual players in my mind, athletes of any kind who have had rivalries. There's a big difference between having a rivalry as an athlete back and forth, you know, this guy feels this way, this guy, and they just go at it forever. You know, they have that intensity. Um, and then you talk about boxers. I mean, obviously last night was a joke in my opinion, and it's all for show and Floyd got paid and, you know, Logan Paul gets, gets uh, his massive. He's going to get paid and, too. Because yeah, he gets yeah, that, 10% of the pay-per-view. Right. So, that's what, yeah. that's what he wants. It's, it's a joke and, and everybody eats it up and that's their thing. But you see them 
quote unquote talking smack, right? But it's back and forth. They're each doing it. This this um, Bryson and Brooks thing is more and more one sided. And when it becomes one sided, that's the difference between like competitive nature and you know uh, uh, rivals and stuff back and forth. It becomes bullying when it's one side of the uh, one side to the other, and um, it just it's unfortunate that it's come this way. And you know, Rob put up I put it up on the screen around when you were talking, but yeah, it's a good point. You know, have PGA players be a little more human, show more personality because golf traditionally is very kind of you know stoic and 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 classy. And Tiger, who is is minimal compared to what these guys are doing right now in his heyday, but even the fist pumps and being fired up was like kind of like whoa, geez, you know, <laughs> like calm it down a little bit. But I think Rob's right. I mean, showing a little personality and having more fun is great, but you know, doing it with class and and uh, Kepka at least on his side is is just not right now. No, he's as classless as you can be. And if you know, I'll be I'll be first in line to uh, actually show him what real confrontation looks like. Um, if you're going to do that. Let's spice it up. Let's spice the show up. We're going to spice the show up a little bit. That's me saying, standing in line, uh, looking for Brooks Kepka. All right. Uh, our third and final sponsor of the show, of course, we talk about Bomb Banana all the time. Banana-based, not to be confused with banana-flavored hot sauce, guys. Go to Bomb Banana, seekthespice.com, okay? Once you get there, uh, um, you can receive 10% off your first order by using the promo code LEAF, L-E-A-F, like on a tree. That will get you 10% off your first order of either the more mild white labeled uh, bottle or the more spicy mui mui uh, when you try. That is Bomb Banana. Again, seekthespice.com. Banana based, not to be confused with banana flavored hot sauce. It's really good, guys. I've been using it for a while now. Put it on a lot of my Sunfair meals. Get me through some of those bland meals some days. It's really good. I don't know. Have you been using it, Sky, since I sent it out to you? Yeah, absolutely. I have I have two right here. I'll rep them here in person. <laughs> Boom. There you go. They're absolutely delicious. And uh, I will say we we mentioned when we first got the sponsorship that maybe, um, uh, you know, maybe they would be good in like a smoothie or something like that. And uh, I have to say that that they are. So they're they're great for breakfast, lunch and dinner, man. You can really put it on anything. And the Mui Mui does have a little kick. I'm not a big spice guy, but it's a perfect balance of like Enough heat to call it spicy, um, but it doesn't blow you out. And that's <laughs> – I'm not interested in that. So so it's pretty delicious. Well, I like that. I like that. Um, I like that you uh, went out and did try it in your uh, – uh, <laughs> Yeah, man. Try, the, uh... try everything once. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's summer. You know, it's summertime. I live in the Northwest. We don't get sun like eight months out of the year. When it comes out between May and August ish, I mean it's it's uh, athletic brew and and bomb banana all day. So I'm I'm ready all right. for it. All uh, right, we started the show with with my conversation with you around the mental health side of things, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I tell you what, after doing the show, I always feel a million times better. I mean, I go into the show awesome. a lot of times like just kind of likewise, you know, you know, going through the day and going through the motions and and. Uh, but I always enjoy talking sports uh, with my guys here. Um, the Naomi Osaka saga uh, continues, right? Um, first off, I think a lot of people thought, for whatever reason, you know, the best player in the world right now is simply trying for more attention. 
which is the furthest thing from the truth, because no matter how good she's been over the last you know, five years, she's used her platform to talk about issues that are going on in the country. I don't recall if you watch, remember watching the U.S. Open after every match, she put on a new um, face mask that had that had a message on it. Mm-hmm. And I remember Tom Rinaldi asked her a question like, uh, how does how does um, wearing a mask like that make you feel? And she turned it right around on him, which was, I thought was really good. She's like, well, how does it make you feel, Tom? That's the better question. That's the point. Yeah. And um, she went into the French Open this year feeling some residual anxiety and and uh, some mental illness and felt like if she removed maybe a piece of what that event, uh, of what these events were doing to her, if she removed that, she could focus more intently on, on the, the tennis side of things and be more efficient and uh, and do what, you know, what she what she does for a living really and that's that's play high level tennis well as always the fear of the unknown hits back and uh, the french open and its ignorance uh and followed by the grand slam committee started to fine her when she didn't show up for her post-match press conferences fifteen thousand the first time and then a letter that said hey this is going to increase even more and possibly it can uh, result in a disqualification. And she immediately knew at that moment that like what she was trying to do uh, was causing more friction than it was helping. So she withdrew from the French Open. The, the best player, I think, right now in, in women's tennis withdrew from a Grand Slam title because the committee couldn't work with her uh, and not, not engaging with the media. And since then, I would say because of the media scrutiny over something that is very personal to her that most people don't have to divulge to people because they deal with it in the, in the, in the quiet of their own, their lives. But when you live a public life, it's not necessary, but people tend to project it because it's, you're a public person and she did. And she's withdrawn from the Berlin tournament uh, that is going to go on here uh, in a couple weeks. And with the possibility of Wimbledon on the horizon, as well as Tokyo, her home country for the Olympics. Now, I don't, I still, that's another conversation we're going to have down the line too, whether or not these Tokyo Olympics should actually be going on this year. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's no reason why they can't push it to next year and have both winter and summer Olympics like they used to do back in the day in the same, same year. But that's for another show. The fact that she may be out the entirety of the summer when it comes to the tennis circuit um, is incredibly impactful and it shows you, you know, the things she's going through. I, I rewatched Joker, the, the movie with, uh, Joaquin Phoenix in, uh, the one that won an Academy award, um, the Todd Phillips directed version of it where, I mean, watching it again and not in the theater, kind of in the quiet of your home, it, it is, it is all about the mentally ill. Mm-hmm. and how we approach it. And there was a line that he wrote in there about that. People expect people with mental illness to behave like they don't have one. Mm. And that just struck me as incredible. People wow. expect Naomi Osaka to behave like she doesn't have the mental illness that she's dealing with. That's the thing. That's why it was so controversial through this process. There were many that are coming along differently and we see it and we have empathy around it. I don't expect you to act like you don't have it. 
I expect you to act like you have it and therefore treat it the right way. That's the difference. And them not doing that has made a huge ripple effect throughout the, the sporting world. If the best player in the world right now at women's professional tennis isn't going to be in two of the biggest grand slams over the summer because of how she was treated, uh, disclosing her mental illness and how she'd like to deal with it in a healthy, positive way. That's an absolute travesty. And we're watching it play out in real time. I applaud her. And remember that people remember you sports fans out there that are, that are watching this and are thinking about people when they're dealing with this as human beings. The difference is people expect people with mental illness to behave like they don't have one. And that just, that made a lot of sense to me because I still deal with it, but I've kind of gradually over the last nine years because of my sobriety and, and being more public and be out in the open have placed myself on a pedestal a little bit. This guy gets it done. He does it right. There's things like that. It doesn't mean I don't wake up and want to stay in bed today, right? That's, that's still real. And I have to treat it like I'm dealing with a mental illness. Um, but people just look at me like, Hey, you got everything going for you. You know, you got this, you know, you, you got your life back, you got the sun, you got everything you can imagine moving forward for you. So why, why are I said, if you don't remember correctly, like I had what everybody thought was what everybody wanted back in 1998. I was the second overall draft pick. I just got $31 million. Isn't that what I had always wanted? So why didn't it work? You know, I did not address what I needed to address. I was living and publicly showing people a side of me that was somebody who wasn't living with a mental illness. And that's what everybody wants to see. They just always want the Instagram picture. They don't want the story that actually goes with it. So um, a segue to the, to the end of the show here, of course, the question of the day was, you know, whether or not the Tennessee Titans became an actual true AFC contender. I don't know if he makes them a true AFC contender. I already felt they were in that conversation. They have been the last two years. They played for the AFC championship two years ago. Um, last year, they were ousted in the first round by their rival, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think they're right there in the mix. I think they'll battle the Colts once again. I think Julio Jones makes it very difficult for some defensive coordinators. If he can stay healthy for them this year, we have some um, Julio Jones makes it much more exciting for sure, but you need to stop the other team. And that's uh, – that's really true, right? You got to be able to stop yeah. the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, yeah, we had a few replies here. I'll knock them out quick. Bucks Report, shouts out to the Bucks Report down in Tampa. Uh, Jones definitely makes it harder to prepare for the Titans if he stays healthy. The Titans' offense is definitely better. Now, as for the defense, that's exactly what we've been talking about. Bill Powell has a couple of them in here. Titans could be the third best team in the AFC this year. It could be a scoring machine, all off fouts in the Chargers and the Rams. Greatest show on turf in the 90s. I agree with Bill here. I think it's Right now, it's Chiefs, Bills, Titans, but I think I think the Browns slash Ravens, uh, which everyone's playing better at the end of the year, could could be a, a real problem for the AFC as well. Um, and I'm, I just, I'm so for football, man. It's already it's already June. We're only like three months away so far, and I feel well. Like it hit the. Uh, I think today. I think today was the 99 days till the opening opening game yeah. on that Thursday night. So <laughs> like turn, that, that turn should give you, that should give you some hope. And uh, we'll be back Wednesday. We'll talk all things NBA playoffs. Yeah. Get you guys ready for the rest of the week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being with me and Sky. Jonathan Rifkin's going to join us and be back on Wednesday. Everybody, have a good rest of the day. Thanks for watching the RDL show.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.